Today I'm in the beautiful gardens of the radiology building on the campus of Michigan State University visiting with one of my favorite people on this whole campus, Dr. E. James Pochin, better known as Dr. Pochin, who leads this Department of Radiology at MSU. Sir, it's an honor to have you on the show. Thanks, Russ. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's start out by talking about this Department of Radiology that you founded and love so much. What do you do here? What's unique about it? The mission? Talk a bit about it. The Department of Radiology at Michigan State is truly unique. Uh, it's the only one like it in the world, I believe. We came here uh, 31 years ago. At that time, I was a uh, dean for management and resources at Johns Hopkins University in Michigan State, wanted to start a medical school. And I came out as a consultant to then President Wharton. And uh, he was seeking to have a medical school, but he didn't have a hospital. He didn't have an x-ray machine. And when I came out as a consultant, I found out he didn't have any money. And that combination made it a very interesting challenge. They had been trying to recruit someone to be accredited. They had to have a radiology department, and they had been trying to recruit someone to do it. And uh, what they were trying to do to me was very important. I was sitting uh, kind of at the pinnacle of academic medicine at Johns Hopkins, and it was a wonderful place to be. But Michigan State was trying to do something very different, which I felt would be quite useful. Most medical students at the elite institutions were studying medicine from professors who study disease. And they began to get the idea that medicine was the study of disease. Indeed, they would come into my office in Baltimore and talk about what doctors really do. And I came out to Michigan State and found they were trying to build a medical school around the concept that uh, let's find out how doctors use time and let's teach people to do whatever doctors do better. And I found that a really an exciting variation on the theme. So, uh, and I'd been out in the practice of medicine in Grand Rapids some 40 years ago from now, 45 years ago, and I felt this would be a extremely useful thing to do, but nobody was willing to do it. So my agreement with the university at that time is they furnish the land, I'll furnish the buildings, the equipment, and the people, and try to leave us alone. We now have a very nice building, very nice facilities, and a lot of wonderful people. We've recruited a faculty from the best institutions in the country, but they haven't left us alone. <laughs> They've given us other things to do, and I find this very entertaining. So talk a bit about the mission of the department and what you do here and, and strive to do. Well, diagnostic imaging in general is uh, primarily the goal is to diminish the uncertainty that people have when they go to see a doctor. And that diminished uncertainty is provision of information decreased randomness and so we are in the information component of the medicine how can we supply better information about patients and we've done research in medical decision making extensively and how doctors use information how can they do that better and radiology is one of the cornerstones of medical informatics where people do acquire information about patients relevant to their destiny that is derived largely from physically driven entities, radiology, initially x-rays, but then magnetic resonance, ultrasound, positron emission tomography, PET scanning, and a variety of other techniques. These are part of a cornerstone of medical diagnosis. Radiology fits in that nexus where we better understand what people have wrong with them and what can be done about it. Uh, and that's getting information. So we are in the informatics business. This department is really unique in that we've been adding on various tales and entities that we have. Uh, it's the only department in the world of radiology, I believe. Orthopedics is within the Department of Radiology. 
Uh, we have sports medicine. We have uh, sports nutrition. We have all of anatomy, for example, is in the Department of Radiology. So all the anatomy professors report through radiology, and that's been a very, very good relationship. Indeed, the anatomy division of the Department of Radiology this year, one of the faculty members was selected by the senior class council as the number one teacher in the entire university of 3,000 uh, faculty. So it, it is, and we've also won awards, teaching awards in many areas. That's a lot of fun to see that happen, to see these young faculty members build careers. My job, as I see it, is uh, development of human capital. And I am in the capital development business, and uh, I've always seen it that way, and it has been incredibly effective as long as I keep my mind on what am I trying to do. I'm trying to enhance other people's opportunity to lead a useful life. And as you look at that in faculty and students, and in medicine, that's what you're doing. Uh, if you pay attention to that every day, everything else will come along fine. And if you add value to others, revenue will flow, and we've been able to amply demonstrate that. Dr. Pochin, can you talk a little bit about how not only technology has impacted the not only radiology but the field of medicine in general and how it's changed in your years in practicing medicine well it's been dramatic i mean i've been right in the i was involved when we first did uh, cts uh when we fir the first mammograms i remember when they were done uh i've been in a long time i was the first chief of nuclear medicine at harvard university uh which has come a long way and now we do positron emission Demography and other things. We have a cyclotron on Michigan State campus where we produce radio pharmaceuticals in FDA licensed laboratory and we market them around the Midwest. Since we've had to raise all of our own money or earn it, uh, we don't have donations do it. We've had to go out and earn everything we have. It's been a tremendous experience for the faculty and the students to see that it's doable. For example, this department we have, we work in the College of Business. I'm a professor of management in the College of Business. Uh, we have people who are in psychology. We have people in, uh, right now, we recently are now have assuming the role of managing the uh, department of, used to be audiology and speech, now it's communicative disorders in the College of Communication, and I'm now chairman of a department in the College of Communication. Uh, so the department is really ubiquitous and doing a variety of different things. And we find them highly synergistic because you take ideas from one discipline and find them in another and apply them to relatively easy to another discipline. Across, Michigan State is really strong in its ability to communicate across and within disciplines. And you know, lead, management is the art and science of getting the job done, but leadership is the art and science of getting the job done with and through people. And uh, when we take a variety of talented people, every single one of them can contribute something. Uh, it is amazing who can teach us, and everybody around us can teach us. Dr. James Pochin is our guest on MSU Today. Sir, what about health care in general? I know this is a huge topic we could talk about all day, but it's in the news every day. Should we have universal health care? Just so many issues, but what are the main issues that concern you about health care in general these days? The main issue is uh, the cost and accessibility. And I see there's a tremendous need if we can find better ways to deliver better medical care to more people. The, ra the range of medical care in this, first of all, I happen to be a lawyer on the, in addition to being a physician, and the range of lawyers is much greater than the range you're going to get when you go to a physician. The quality control measures in, in medicine are greater, for the, but we still have a range of out there when people go. 
you know, when the average person goes to see a doctor, there's a 50% chance of finding someone who is in the bottom half of their class. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're, really, they're necessarily any worse than the next. And we have a need to do whatever we can to enhance the quality. Therefore, the federal the idea is a pay for performance. Different me ways of measuring what the value added by medical care is important, and we have been trying to look at that. It is extremely complicated. I think the various forms of ideas of universal health insurance, none of which seem yet appropriate for what the United States has. So in the meantime, we've got to do what Bill Gates, I think, gave the graduation talk at Harvard, and I'd urge everybody to go to the web and get that out, because it was one of the great talks I've ever heard. And he gave it this year that we all, as you people, should do something about the disparity of opportunity between people. And in healthcare, that's the issue. Disparity of opportunity to get access to the best quality health care for everybody. And we should seek to address that disparity. Uh, we shouldn't do that at the cost of not providing health care, the very best health care, to those who now get it. And we shouldn't make that a compromise. And that's the tension in the system today. What about med medical education, sir? Is it really any different? Obviously the technology, but are we teaching students any differently now than when you were taught how to do this? We have really been doing a great deal at Michigan State on that lately because we've now developed an expansion of our medical schools. We've now added a uh, campus in Grand Rapids, uh, and it's an uh, expansion of our College of Human Medicine. Our College of Osteopathic Medicine is expanding to two sites in the Detroit area. So rather than having two medical schools on this campus, reaching out to the entire state, in addition to that, we still have a branch campus in Marquette and Flint and Kalamazoo uh, and Muskegon. We will now have uh, major core centers in Grand Rapids and two more in Detroit, and we will have a widely extensive medical school. Well, how are we going to teach them? How are we going to do this when we don't have an expanded population of basic scientists who can teach it? But one of the things we do have, we have a very strong basic science groups on campus here. So now we're looking at uh, online learning techniques in various forms. We find out that our students have come to lectures for years, and we've de they've developed what's called Camtasia, where they have on their computers the lectures. So th rather than take notes, or rather than have a scribe take notes, the students have this. They can review the lectures any time of the day or night because they've got it right on their, their uh, mobile computer. Well, now we've got that, we can reach out to the various campuses around the state of Michigan and indeed across the world. And we can provide high quality basic science education in a variety of ways. It does not eliminate the need for laboratories or the need to have students connect directly with teachers, but it does markedly amplify how effectively teachers can be in communicating. And rather than trying to rapidly take notes while someone's speaking, you have access, the students have access to the online uh, communications so they can review what was really said rather than what they thought they caught in their notes. It's much richer. So Dr. Pochin, is, is the medical field still a, a, an area you advise kids to go into and what kind of advice do you give today's medical students? I have four children. Uh, two of them went into medicine and two of them went into law and I do both. <laughs> and clearly those who went into medicine have tremendous opportunities. Those who went to law have good opportunities but medicine does provide a fantastic opportunity to lead a useful life. And you can, you know, you can be anything once you're a physician. I've tried all sorts 
of things after I was a physician. I went to, to business school, went to PhD training in biophysical chemistry. I went to, uh, to law school. And so you're not, you're not limited to medicine, but being medicine in medicine gives you tremendous opportunities to do a lot of other things with life. And uh, lead a useful life, there's probably nothing more rewarding or enriching than medicine. One of my sons, my, my oldest son, is a physician. He went to medical school at Michigan State, then he took his radiology, neuroradiologist at Duke. But he got uh, really excited about what the department and the university is doing in Africa. And he now is helping set up the first magnet that has ever been set up in many in the countries of Africa. We have in Malawi. And in Ballantyre, Malawi, we are setting a magnet, partially donated by GE and partially donated by Michigan State. The magnet was donated by GE. The building was by Michigan State. And we are going to have the first real setup in sub-Saharan Africa where we can do research on one of the most important diseases of the world, cerebral malaria. We already have a clinic there, but one of the problems is treating those patients. And that's now being installed, and it's a very exciting thing that my son is involved in who he never would have thought he'd do that. He was doing big-time neuroradiology. He came back from Africa one visit over there and says, Dad, I can use my time. I've got a certain amount of time to lead in life, and I can use it much more advantageously if I go out and serve those people with these technologies. So it's the first time they've ever had it. And now we have the only radiologist in Malawi of 13 million people, one radiologist, He's here at Michigan State for nine months learning to do magnetic residence. And we're going to connect and do it long reach, and we have people going back and forth all the time. That, to me, Russ, is a very different thing in life. Who would have thought he'd have been doing that? And so the range of opportunities to lead a useful life is fantastic for all, everybody who goes into medicine. And medicine's really fun to be in, too, because you can see a difference in people. You add value every day. Dr. James Pochin is my special guest on MSU today. And, sir, you'll have to give me the exact title, but you lead the council, I think, of, of your, the leader of all the faculty on the MSU campus. First, explain to me what that role is. Well, <laughs> that's one of the many things I do, actually. But uh, the faculty elect the chairman of the executive committee of the academic council, which is the person who is responsible to represent the faculty to the board of trustees and to the administration and lead the faculty. It's an elected position and I now have it. I've had it for a couple of years. Uh, I don't know how I get it, but I keep doing it. Uh, and it is a chance to have uh, uh, an impact into the system, the entire university. I've always had a plenty of opportunity for voice, uh, but this gives me an opportunity to speak on behalf of the faculty and work with the university and the faculty to improve whatever we're doing for the good of students and the good of the community at large. We are here to serve the state of Michigan and we are here to serve the state, uh, the students and primarily the thing I really do enjoy doing is I teach a lot of classes. I lo really love being with students and I like taking care of patients and I do a lot of both. So from that faculty perspective, what are higher education is another area like healthcare with a lot of concerns and a lot of issues. What from that perspective concerns you about higher education as we move forward? The biggest thing about higher education that is an issue today is the failure of society to realize the tremendous need for ultimate having economic development derive from the advantage of having better human capital. And the, what universities do is improve the value of people to society. 
and as a whole we have been remiss in keeping that funded well. Uh, this state has not done as good a job in it as they should, in my opinion, and that's true across the, the public universities across the country are becoming increasingly privatized simply because there is insufficient support of the commons. That is that everybody should think of in addition to taking care of ourselves we have something to do in common with other people and that includes higher education and all kinds of education and I think there is a big need to have society more attuned to the need to develop human capital for fu the future of our society and indeed our children. One of my favorite lines you've used before is that it, knowledge is one of the few things you can give away and still keep. I wondered if, I've always thought you were one of the most happy and charismatic people I've ever met. Can you just share some of your philosophies on life and why you're so happy all the time? There is no question. I think I've had more fun than anyone I've ever met, and I still do. And I'm now in my 75th year, and it's getting better every year, and it's gotten better every year I've been alive. Largely because I have, over the years, seen my role in life as enhancing other people's opportunity to lead a useful life, and boy, does that pay back. It's much better than having money in the bank. I have an awful lot of careers out there of individuals who are very kind to me. And in my later years, I'm not, not that late in my years, but it has been fantastic to have the resource of human beings worldwide that I've had a chance to interact with. And I've now taught in maybe 50 different countries, and I have had connections all over in industry, in commerce, and in government, uh, and in academics that have provided me with a chance to feel that I've been useful, but more important, the stimulus you get from the challenge of multiple points of view. Every human being can teach me. You know, the custodians on campus gave me the honorary custodian award because I really talked to them. Everybody that I meet, I say, what are you thinking? And it's amazing what they'll tell you. Everybody's thinking all the time. And because I've been to school a long time doesn't mean I'm any smarter. And I haven't thought any more than anybody else. I've done it in a more structured way. But I try to tap into the richness that's in everybody's mind. And that makes life a lot of fun. Is there one favorite piece of life advice you'd like to share with people joining in on our conversation? That's a real challenge. Uh, this is the best day we've ever had because it's the only day we have today. And uh, it is true. And I, that's, you know, candide almost. Uh, it's the best of all possible worlds because it's the only one I've got. Uh, well, the thing I had my children read was Siddhartha, for example, by Herman Hesse, where you, you begin to understand what it is to be empowered. I can control my watts. And as long as I can control my watts, I can realize I don't need very much. And as long as I can do that, because the only th the, the reason people have power is the ability to influence the behavior of others. Nobody can influence your behavior if you don't, they don't have something you want bad enough to modify your behavior. Well, you can decide you don't want it, and then you're pretty powerful. And the best example of power theory that I teach is the king and the martyr. When the king says to the martyr, you do that or I'll take your life, and the martyr says, your excellency, I'm delighted, take it. The king doesn't have very much power over that person. Well, nobody really has power over you if you don't give it to him. That's a very empowering thought. And they, you can decide what you want. And once you control your wants, you become very effective because you don't go out and get things or try to get things that you don't have a purpose for. The important thing, I think, in life is to understand what your purpose is. What are you trying to do? So many people are very busy doing, but they don't take time to think of how to do it better. 
They don't take time to think about what they are really trying to accomplish. And if you do that, it's very enriching. Well said, sir. We've touched on a lot of topics as we close. Are there just any final thoughts you'd like to make, or is there anything important I didn't ask you? The world is full of unmet friends, and every human being can add value to me. And therefore, I try to cultivate the diversity of human beings, because I do not know what the truth is. The truth is the absence of uncertainty, and that's what a business of radiology is, diminishing uncertainty. But we're not at the truth, nor will we ever be. Truth is something to be pursued, but never possessed. And the same is true for perfection. And we keep pushing that envelope a little bit every day, and it's so much fun to keep looking at it. And every day is exciting as long as you realize you don't know the answer. Sir, thank you so much for sharing your time and insights with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure seeing what little I know. <laughs> Dr. E. James Pochin, who among many things leads the Department of Radiology at Michigan State University.